Let me begin by asking you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 6. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Verse 1, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. Verse 3. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more demons flee. I wish I was there. In fact, the Bible tells me in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, you don't have to turn there, but it tells me that the angels of heaven long to look into the redemption that we have and to understand it better. Woo. Then again, notice we read to you in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 2. It says of Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. I personally am convinced that the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Though no author is listed in the book of Hebrews, I personally, you may disagree with me, but that's fine, but I personally am convinced that he wrote it. The language sounds like Paul. And then again, who else would mention about Timothy's welfare, which happens in Hebrews 13, verse 23? Who else would mention how Timothy's doing? That has to be Paul. But nonetheless... In this verse, Hebrews 3, 2, it, let me read it again. Who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. In that verse, Paul is referring to an incident, like a story that occurred in the book of Numbers. And to first century Jewish Christians, this is called the book of Hebrews, that story is very familiar to them. They know what he's talking about because they go to the synagogue all their life. They've gone to the synagogue and they were better taught the Old Testament than you are taught the New. That's why sometimes even when Jesus had uh, these, these conversations with the Pharisees, he would maybe just quote part of a verse and they knew the whole passage. He didn't have to read the whole thing because they were better taught, you see. So if we go back to that story, there's some things that we might be able to glean and learn, and I think it would be helpful for us. So go with me. We'll come back to Hebrews in just a moment. But can you flip over to the Old Testament with me and go to the book of Numbers chapter 12? Are you still here tonight? All right. Numbers chapter 12, and we'll begin reading with verse 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. It says, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. Verse 2. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. 
I wanted to give you a little backdrop, and there's some thoughts I think might be interesting. So it's probable, it seems likely that Moses' first wife, Zipporah, had passed away, and that Moses had remarried. And you have to remember, at this point, Moses is more than, he's north of 80 years of age. Just a thought here. So he really doesn't need to ask anybody's permission to get married. Can he ask his mother and father? They're, they're not living anymore. I don't think they're living anymore. There's no, he's the leader of the nation, by the way. He really doesn't need anybody's permission to marry whom he will. Can I just give you a little thought here? We talked about weddings and everything. It would be nice if people in Nagaland would be more concerned about the young couple that's getting married than throwing their weight around. You have to meet with the family. You have to get married the way we say you get married. You have to get married, even though you've never been to our church, you have to get married in our church and so forth and so on. It would be so nice if people just said, we want what's best for you. We want this day to be a glorious, memorable day for you. How can we help to make sure that your wedding and more than that, your married life is successful? But instead, we're going to have a parliamentary session and we're just all going to, you know, get angry with one another and debate and fuss. Well, that's part of our culture. And there are some things in your culture that need to change. And this is one of them. I am an agent of change. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So they didn't like it. Maybe your family members didn't like who you married. You and Moses have something in common. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hmm. And we really don't know anything about this Cushite woman. The Bible doesn't even tell us her name. And she's never mentioned again. She might have been from Ethiopia. Wow. He married an African. Think about it. The greatest prophet in the Old Testament was born in Africa and married an Ethiopian, Moses. Or she could have been, because it's not really clear, it's also possible she could have been from Arabia. Here's another thought. You may, we're just kind of digging a little deeper, but there's some little threads here that might help you. It's interesting that Moses, the leader of the nation of Israel, never married a woman from Israel. Why? Well, there's some reasons why I'm saying this. Well, one reason is because he was raised as an Egyptian for 40 years. The book of Acts, Stephen tells us that he was taught in all of the ways of the Egyptians. Then he spent the next 40 years as a nomadic herdsman living in the land of Midian. So though he was a Hebrew, he's, he's, a, he's a child of Abraham, he's a son of Jacob, though he's certainly a Hebrew, you've got to consider Moses was kind of an outsider. Remember that in Egypt, he tried to break up a fight between two Israelis, two uh, Israelites. And he said, you, you are brothers, don't fight. And one of them pushed him away and said, who made you a prince over us? Well, see, that means that even though he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter, they didn't really respect him. 
see? They didn't immediately appreciate him or even what he hoped to accomplish, you see. And while he was on later in the wilderness, while Moses was on Mount Sinai receiving the law, as he was there with God for 40 days, the children of Israel got restless, like some of you are getting restless right now. Come on, your, your bamboo shoot will wait for you. But they, they got restless. And so they said to Aaron, you know, make us gods that we can worship them. And this is what they said. It's actually found in Exodus 32, verse 1. Uh, I don't think it's going to be on the screen, but let me just read it to you. Exodus 32, verse 1 says, as for this Moses, it is there, as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Can you, can you take a moment to think about that statement? That expresses disdain for Moses. They didn't say, as for our dear leader, you know, the one that God has chosen to redeem us from slavery. They said, as for this Moses, the man who brought us out here. See, they're, and they're not expressing any gratitude, are they? They're, they're making it sound like that, like that he did them a disservice by setting them free from bondage. See? So that tells you something about how they felt about Moses. And Miriam's and Aaron's contention, contention, their, their complaint, didn't have anything to do with that Cushite woman. Notice it doesn't say in verse 1 that they spoke to Moses about his new wife out of concern. They didn't go to him and say, Moses, we're, we're, we're concerned about this. We don't feel that you've made the right decision here. You know, as your family members, we just wanted to ask you or talk to you about it. No, they didn't talk to Moses. They talked about Moses. They weren't talking to him. They were talking to the people. And notice what they said in Numbers 12 too. This is what they said to everybody. Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? Okay. So notice they didn't say anything about the Cushite woman here, see? Because that's irrelevant. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 20, you don't have to go there. But in Exodus 15, 20, the Bible refers to Miriam, this is Moses' older sister, as a prophetess. It calls her a prophetess, a female prophet. Now, if the Spirit of God had never given her utterance, if she had never prophesied, then the Scripture would not refer to her this way. You see? So, on the surface, yes, this is a correct statement. Moses is not the only person that God ever used. That's true. But that's not what they meant. That's not what they were driving at. That was, that, that, that's not the point. They were attempting to weaken and delegitimize Moses' authority. That's what this is really about. Are you listening to me? Hmm? This Cushite woman, bless the Cushite, this Cushite woman was simply a pretext for a power grab. Pretext means it's just an excuse. 
It's not the real reason. She has nothing to do with it. It's a pretext for a power grab. I think, see, they're talking to the people, the Israelites. I think they're trying to sway the people, persuade the people to come over to their side so that in their minds, they're thinking they can force Moses to share authority with them. Moses, the people are with us. So you're going to have to listen to what we say. You see what's going on here? Now, here's something interesting. Not only did the people hear what Miriam and Moses said, someone else heard. The Lord. And as we'll find out, he was not pleased at all. Just another little side thought. Many of us, I'll put myself in this category, would avoid so much heartache and frustration if we would learn to keep our mouths shut. Am I alone here today? I am alone? (laughs) For me personally, I don't know about you. I wonder about you. I don't know about you, but um, I usually don't have to repent for not saying something. Anybody with me here today? And sometimes, you know, if you're like me, a thought comes in your mind, and it's like, ready, fire, aim. (laughs) There's a verse in Proverbs that says, he that keeps his mouth and keeps his lips keeps himself, keeps his soul from a multitude of troubles. What does that mean? That means most of your wounds are self-inflicted wounds. Which I said, in other words, most of the time, no, not you. I mean the people that normally sit over in this section. Most of the time, we create our own troubles by saying things that we should not say. Again, I'm putting myself in this category, and the staff will vouch for that, 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 that most of the time, not only do people hear what we say, but God hears what we say. The Bible says that, that we can grieve the Holy Spirit, right? Grieve. Grieve means he's displeased, saddened, right? Grieve. Like someone dies, we're grieving. Well, you know, maybe the reason some Christians don't have a lot of spirit of joy is because they're constantly grieving the source of joy. Just a thought. Amen. We're all together. We're all friends here. We're all friends. Praise the Lord. Now notice this. This is Numbers 12, verse 3. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. That's such an amazing statement. Right in the middle of this story, the Spirit of God puts this, this thought in here. The man Moses. He wasn't just meek. He was very meek. In fact, he wasn't just very meek. He was the meekest guy on the planet. Now, the English word meek, I'm speaking to you in English tonight. The English word meek means a combination of several things. It means gentle, submissive. We could say unassuming. That's a nice word, unassuming. You know what unassuming means? Well, it kind of means you mind your own business. We could preach another sermon right now, get somebody saved. It means you mind your own business. 
that you're not a busy body meddling in other people's affairs. It means peaceful. Isn't it interesting, again, harping on this some more, that in the Old Testament, when a person did not answer, when he didn't speak, it often says, he held his peace. He held his peace. It means he didn't speak. So we would have more peace if we would keep our mouth shut. Peaceful. It means mild and quiet. And, of course, one very good word to, to describe meek is humble. Humble. So here's a very interesting thing. I think we could agree that there was no one at that time who was used by the Lord more than Moses. I mean, at that moment, and really not just that moment, you could, you, could, you could easily say throughout the entire Old Testament, I think. I think you definitely could argue that. There's nobody who was used by God in that generation at that time more than Moses. And he was also the most humble man living at that time. Is that a coincidence? No. No. So Andrew Murray wrote quite a bit on the subject of humility, and he said this, Water always fills first the lowest places, right? You know, in other words, water, like from a river, from, you know, even a pipe or something, you know, it always flows to the, it gravitates, it moves towards the lowest places. The lower, the emptier a man lies before God, the speedier and the fuller will be the inflow of diving glory. In other words, just like water always flows to the lowest places, God's spirit always flows toward humility. So that means God doesn't anoint the proud, right? Amen. Now, let's, 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 let's stay here a moment. Meekness. A lot of people would say that's like a, a, not a compliment, but an insult. This brother is rather meek. But they think meekness is weakness. It's not. Meekness is strength. Strength of character. Meekness is placing yourself under God's outstretched arm. Trusting him to take care of you. So Moses, in this little, this little incident, Moses did not attempt to defend himself. Hmm? He didn't get into strife with his siblings. See, he wasn't from Nagaland. He didn't, or America, he didn't enter into a heated religious debate with them, you see. They're saying all this, they're talking bad about him. And they're doing it in a very clever way, aren't they? They're just, they're trying to sound spiritual. Has God only spoken through them? You know, I'm anointed too. You know, have you heard about my ministry? Prophetess Miriam Ministries, have you heard about my work, how God uses me? They're trying to be very clever about that. And Moses is not stupid. He knows what, what's going on, but he didn't say anything. Learn to let God fight your battles for you. 
if you let him, he'll fight for you. And you'll, look, you'll come out smelling like a rose. But if you're going to fight with the dogs, you're going to get dirty. Amen. Hallelujah. And one thing about it, you, you, you can't help but notice this. And it's so important. It's so crucial to understanding why God used him. Moses did not have an ounce, not a gram, of selfish ambition. None. He didn't even want the job. If an angel appeared to you tonight in a burning bush, and the, the, the voice of God spoke to you and says, I've called you to go to the nation. I'm going to work signs and wonders through you. You're going to deliver people. You would go, yes, I am somebody. <laughs> this is my moment. If only my mama could see me now. But Moses said, who am I? that I should talk to Pharaoh. And when, even when God said, but I'm going to be with you. And, and even demonstrated, you know, miraculous signs. Even still, he said, I, I, Lord, I don't even know how to talk. I'm not good at talking. Please choose someone else. And actually, God got a little irritated with him. <laughs> In fact, not only that, he tried to quit several times. But the Lord insisted, no, 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 you're not going anywhere. I mean, you read the book of Numbers, you, you really got to pity poor, uh, dear Moses. He's got a big church. There's 600,000 men in that church. We don't know how, and there's got to be a lot of women, and there's got to be a lot of children. There's a lot of people. There could be a, a million, two people. I don't know how many people are there. And boy, oh boy. I don't know if you had some bad experiences in church life, attending different churches. Maybe this one, I hope not. But, you know, boy, what a, what a humdinger of a church to pastor. Man, all they do is complain. <laughs> every, every blessed day, they got another complaint, you know. And, and there were several times, one time Moses said, kill me. God, just kill me. Do me a favor, kill me. <laughs> And God said, no, 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 no. See, he had no selfish ambition at all. He didn't wait, uh, lay awake at night in his bed dreaming of being famous. Do you do that? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He did not promote himself. He let God do that. And he did. He did. The Bible says... Then the glory of God appeared. The manifestation of God's presence showed up at the entrance of the tabernacle. And the Lord called them, um, come here. He called them by name. Miriam, Aaron, you too, Mo, come here. So they got to go to the principal's office. <laughs> And listen to this, Numbers 12, verse 6 to 8. I'm going to read this. This is the Lord speaking to them, the three of them. Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a, in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Notice this. Not so. 
with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And this is the point where if you're Aaron and Miriam, you get a bad feeling in the pit of your stomach. This is not going well. (laughs) And that last statement, why were you not afraid? That's not a question, is it? God wasn't waiting for an answer. Well, I don't have a spirit of fear. No, no, no. That is not what... This is a statement. (laughs) This is a statement. You know, you've done something wrong. So what this meant was that Miriam and Aaron miscalculated. Number one, they grossly underestimated Moses. You know, there's a thing about working with your family members. And it's really, uh, you, know, I don't, I, you know, I don't have any family, well, not so much. I don't really have a family members working with me in the ministry so much. I mean, we have some you know, helping in some ways. But, you know, there's some folks that, like, everybody on staff is related to the pastor. I mean, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're, you're, if you're, like, I, I'm, 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 you know, you can probably guess that I'm well over 30 now. And you could, you know, my mother still thinks I, I'm 12. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, maybe Miriam and Aaron still see this guy as a babe in the bulrushes. I'm the one that pulled you out of the river, Moses. I'm the one that watched, you know, fair, I, I, you know, if it wasn't for me, you know. They saw him according to the flesh. But God saw something that they were blind to. Amen. And so Moses was more than a prophet. That's what God said here. He's in an altogether different category than that. In fact, later on, when he died, the book of Deuteronomy, the last couple of verses of Deuteronomy, kind of gives a, 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 a tribute to Moses. And it basically says, there's never been anybody like Moses. And there never will be in all of Israel. This is Old Testament, of course, you know. But there's never anybody like most, and never will be, that spoke to God face to face with all the signs and wonders. I mean, and notice God said, you know, when it comes to prophets, they'll have a dream, a vision. There's always a sense of ambiguity in prophecy. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 9, we know in part and we prophesy in part. There is always a mysterious, or often, there is a mysterious quality to prophecy. Sometimes it's, often it's like a riddle. But Moses spoke to God directly, like a man talks to his friend. When you talk to your friend, do you speak in riddles? I bet your wife speaks to you that way, doesn't she? But when you talk to your friend, (laughs) does he speak to you in riddles? No, just just straight on, just directly. It's really amazing. So here's a good question. Why? 
If there's a prophet among you, I'll speak to him in a vision. I'll give him a dream. But not so with my servant Moses. Why? Why not? The next statement says this. He is faithful in all my house. Not so. It's not that Moses is not in that category. Don't even compare him to, to that. And really what God is saying is, Miriam, you're not in that category. Yeah, God used you, but don't even try to compare yourself to my man, Moses. Why? He is faithful in all my house. And the implication is, again, without, without exactly stating it, the implication is there's nobody that has been more faithful to God than that man. So you don't want to be the person who's always touting his faithfulness. You want to be the person that God says, but this person is faithful in my house. You know, a lot of people, we could preach three sermons right now. Do you have, how much time do you have tonight? <laughs> a lot of people overestimate their faithfulness. Now, since you're here on a Wednesday night and you can just pretend like you never miss a Wednesday night and most of us won't know. If most of them, oh, I've been faithful. I am very faithful, very faithful. I mean, a Mother's Day, Christmas, you know, I mean, uh, I even one time Valentine's Day. I mean, I am always, you know, every holiday I'm in church. I got married in church. I'm very faithful. But that's, that's not necessarily how God would define faithfulness, right? Amen. So here's something I want to say to you. Anointing people is God's business. Giving revelation is God's prerogative. That's his choice. That's up to him. So instead of trying to have more visions or dreams or to have more signs and wonders, we should, in, we should make it our aim to be more humble and to be more faithful. Or let's say it this way, if you want God to use you, and I'm going to include myself in this, if we want God to use us in a greater degree, then don't be like Miriam and Aaron. Be like Moses. Amen. Hallelujah. And so you can tell from reading this little dialogue, actually it's a monologue, you can tell that God is personally offended by what's happened. He did, it wasn't like, he's not like a referee in a sporting match saying, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, let me see if I can straighten this out. Come on, guys. Let's see if we can come to an amicable agreement. No, that is not what happened. He's ticked off. Moses, Miriam, Aaron, why were you not afraid? <laughs> he's, he's ticked off. He's not, he's not happy. Why? This is something you've got to understand. Miriam and Aaron were not just challenging Moses. They were rebelling against God himself. 
By the way, let me just stop to say this. I'm not going through this, okay? Nobody, I'm not aware of anybody trying to challenge me as the pastor of the church. So this is not an issue with me. I'm not saying this because, you know, I got a nasty phone call from somebody or somebody, you know, wrote a nasty comment on my Facebook page. It has not, that's the furthest thought from mine. It has nothing to do with that. It's just, this is what I got today, so I'm going with it. And maybe it'll just help us in general. It could apply to your office. It could apply to your school. It could apply to, you know, your home. Amen. So they were not just challenging Moses. They were rebelling against God himself. Here's the mistake they made, and it's a mistake that many Christians make today. Miriam and Aaron recognized God's inherent authority. Inherent means the authority that God has in himself because of who he is. He's God. He's almighty God. They recognize his authority. That's why they said, has the Lord only used Moses? They didn't say God doesn't use anybody. They, they recognize that God is God. So they, they recognize God's inherent authority, the authority that God has in himself. They fail to recognize God's delegated authority. That's the authority that God has given to someone else to represent him, to work on his behalf. If you disregard God's delegated authority, you are disregarding God's inherent authority. Let me put it to you this way. And again, this is not an issue. I mean, I, we're not, I don't try to overthink this, okay, but I'm just giving you an example. Let's imagine, you know, there's somebody here and they, they like me, they, they respect me, you know, they, you know they, they think highly of me or whatever, friendly toward me, but... They're really mean to one of the ushers. Like the usher says, okay, can you please sit here? I don't have to listen to you. And the usher says, uh, you know, can you pass this bucket? I'm going to pass your bucket. Well, see, they may like me as a person for whatever reason, but when they are mistreating, being, uh, you know, contentious with the ushers, I have a problem with that. Because they're doing what I told them to do. They didn't take it upon themselves to, you know, dress that way or to do, follow those instructions. I'm the one that told them to do that. They're, they're just doing what, what, as they were instructed. So likewise, when you contend against people that God has placed over you, in authority over you, you're challenging God himself. All the blank stares... It's true. It's absolutely true. If you will come under the authority that God has placed over you, then God will cause the authorities that, are, that should be under you to come under you. In other words, if you will not submit to godly authority, you will never exercise godly authority. Notice it doesn't say, now Moses was the most rebellious man on earth. He made Ishmael look like a Presbyterian deacon. No, 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 opposite, opposite. That was the exact opposite of his character. Amen. Hallelujah. Are there rebellious people in our lives that have that inherent rebelliousness about them? And it's cool in society, isn't it? The world, the world 
smiles on that. I'm a rebel without a cause. Yeah. I don't do anything. You know, the music they listen to is just all rebellious. God hates that. God doesn't listen to punk rock music. Did you know that? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. When the glory dissipated, the cloud is gone. Whew, glad that's over. They looked at Miriam, and she's now a leper. <laughs> In fact, Aaron, her co-conspirator, Aaron said she looks like a rotten corpse. You know, it's one thing if she just had like, you know, a little tumor here or something, you know, like, you know, but she looks like, bleh, like this dead body, rotten dead body. Maybe that's how she looked to God. So in verse 13, this is so good. Moses cried out to the Lord and said, oh, God, please heal her, please. See, that tells you Moses' character. Come on, if you were there, you would have said, good, 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 good. You got what you deserved. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo, you got it. I told you, you reap what you sow. <laughs> he didn't do that. Amen. And so he said, you know, healer, it gets worse. The Lord said to, to Moses, if she had, if her father had spit in her face. She would be ashamed for seven days, right? That's interesting. Basically, this is how God responds to challenges to his inherent authority and his delegated authority. It's as if he's, in essence, it's like God said, I spit in her face. Real quiet. I don't know how quieter it can get than this, but... Um, I'm just reading the Bible to you. <laughs> okay, so again, I'm, it's not about, I'm not talking about me. There's no little deal here. I'm not looking at somebody thinking I'm talking to you, buddy. It, 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 there's nothing like, can I get a witness from any of the staff members? <laughs> Jeppy, help me. <laughs> I'm not talking about anybody. It's just a general statement, okay? But imagine this. If the staff, if you came in my office and I sort of scoured at you, I looked at you kind of like, uh, angrily. That might bother you. I don't know. Maybe not. Who knows? Depends, depends on who the staff member is. If I spoke sharply to you, you might feel bad. I know that's never happened, but let's just imagine that happens. <laughs> this, is, this will never happen. But what if I spit in your face? Do you know what I mean? No? Okay, Brother Lloyd, come here. I'll demonstrate. <laughs> he's, he's like Moses. He was ready to come. Good for you. <laughs> what if I spit in their face? <laughs> That's just nasty. That's just, that is just like vulgar. That's like, ooh. You would just be <clears throat> like, <sighs> probably quit leave town, go buy a gun, come back. I don't know what you would do, but you would be very, like, just totally just devastated. You would probably never forget that. So Moses said, heal her. And basically God said, it's just like I spit in her face. Boom. 
Hope I didn't get you on the front row. We tried to move these seats back a little bit. <laughs> huh. So she was isolated for seven days. Why? Because God knew that disunity and rebellion is a contagious disease. So he isolated, the, he quarantined the affected one so that the church didn't turn into a super spreader event. By the way, little thought here. So Miriam, she looks like a dead person. What about Aaron? Not, he, nothing happened to him. What, what about Aaron? You see, you can tell from reading the story, Miriam was the real instigator. Her name is even listed first in, in chapter 12, verse 1, that Miriam and Aaron said, spoke against Moses, you know. And... Uh, I don't mean to be unkind or anything like that, but Aaron is basically a spineless guy. <laughs> I'm sorry, just, just be honest with you. He's basically a spineless guy. He's, he's, he's easily swayed by other people. Again, when Moses was on Mount Sinai, you know, the people said, make a, a God for us. And he's like, okay. Give me some gold. And so they all pulled off the earrings and, and, and rings. And, and when Moses came down from the mountain, he was furious. He was beside himself. And he said to him, you know, like, whatever possessed you to do this? And Aaron said, don't be mad. You know how the people are. And I put the gold in the fire, and out came this calf. Now, if you read that, you may think that something supernatural happened. No, no. The guy is a spineless jellyfish. He, he, he basically just doesn't have any courage. You know, so, so Miriam didn't have any trouble just pulling him along. He's the guy that's like, yeah, yeah whatever. Okay, over here. Now, yeah, yeah. So he wasn't the main culprit in this thing. Here's my point. No one was like Moses. But Moses himself said before he died, God's going to raise up a prophet from among your brothers, like me. But if you don't listen to him, you'll perish. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Now we can go back to Hebrews, and I'll wrap this up in just a few moments here. Hebrews 3.3 says, For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. So if God dealt harshly with people who disregarded Moses' authority, how much more severely, that's the point here, how much more severely would he deal with people who disregard Jesus' authority? Then he says this, Moses was faithful. See, that's where that came from, that statement, the story we read. Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Notice it says Moses was, but Christ is. Moses was a servant. Christ is a son. Moses was in the house. Christ is over the house. He's better. Hallelujah. So, like Moses... The devil tried to kill Jesus after he was born. 
And Jesus also was something of an outsider. He came from Galilee. The religious elites in Jerusalem, they didn't receive him. No prophet ever arose from Galilee, they said. They looked down on him. In the synagogue, they didn't appreciate him. They didn't honor him. He said, no prophet is without honor except among his own family members. They, they didn't honor him. And they said, we know his father, his mother. We know his brothers and sisters. Like Miriam and Aaron, they knew him according to the flesh. But God knew him by the spirit. God saw things they didn't see. Before the trial, at the trial before Pontius Pilate, in essence, the nation pushed him away and said, who made you a prince over us? He was despised and rejected. Jesus himself said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, just give me a couple of minutes here, a few minutes. Matthew eleven twenty nine, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. There is no one who is more humble than the Lord Jesus. We want to have Christ's anointing but not Christ's attitude. We want to have his power, his authority, but we don't want to have his humility. Amen? He's fully submitted to his Father's will, even to the point of death. Revelation 19.11 calls him faithful and true. There's no one more faithful than Jesus. Hallelujah. Paul says the builder of a house deserves more recognition and respect than the house because the house didn't build itself. Jesus is worthy of more honor than Moses because he's the builder of all things. All things are made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And Hebrews 3, 6 says, and we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and the boasting of our hope. We are the tabernacle of God. The Spirit of God, the glory resides in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. We are members of his household. We're part of his family. We hold fast to the confidence of our hope. Faith is being sure, confident of what you hope for. Jesus is better than Moses. Moses spoke to God like a friend. Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen God. I and the Father are one. He's God manifested in the flesh. Hallelujah. The works of Moses primarily brought judgment, but the works of Christ primarily bring mercy. One last scripture. And Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 25, to his disciples, I have said these things to you in figures of speech, but the hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In other words, you and I can speak with him like a friend, face to face just like Moses talked to the Lord. Jesus is better. That's what I want to say. Jesus is better. 
Hallelujah. You never had a better friend than Jesus. Nobody ever loved you like Jesus. Can we stand to our feet? Praise the Lord.